0: This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by Memory Loss. A few days ago I had a great idea for the sponsorship for this show, but unfortunately it has since then sunk into the moldy flaps of my brain and I have forgotten about it probably forever. Memory Loss. What are we doing here again? Go to memoryloss.gov to ask the government where all your memories went. They stole them and sold them to the... This portion of the Good Chick Brothership has been redacted by the Government of Canada. ...that I want to talk to you about regardless. Okay, well, is, let's do it. Guess what, I, guess what artist I listened to a song, a song of theirs I listened to this morning. Billie Eilish. Yes. <laughs> did you actually... Did you... Wow, that's a little bit weird. How are you supposed to pronounce her name? Eilish. Eilish, okay. Because... I see I saw on her YouTube channel that she put out a song like three years ago that has millions of views. Yeah. But I've only started hearing about her in the last month. Yeah. And I've seen her, I would say, at least in like twenty different social media plays. Like I see her like every day on yeah. social media. So like, okay. Um so I listened to one of her songs and music videos, got all the needles in the back and stuff. Needles? Yeah, she has gets a bunch of needles like stabbed in her back. Yeah. Oh boy. Um. And it was kind of okay. It was kinda of like a low rent more de- more manic depressive lord but i felt like the comment section would just be full of like 14 year olds like like uh i don't know what do 14 year olds comment on depressing like youtube their, videos like their parents or something like you know yeah or i will uh, i am misunderstood i am literally going to kill myself yeah. not that i would make light of the, you know what i'm saying it's a YouTube, it's a youtube comment section you know what i'm talking about Yep. so i don't know i felt like it was it was better than just like top 40 garbage, but I was like, Phew. but maybe I'll, maybe I'll listen to a whole album it's one funny time just because to have an opinion. The name was mm-hmm. something I was mm-hmm. vaguely familiar with.
1: That uh, was mm-hmm.
0: Jason adjusting his pop filter yeah, sorry, for those yes. of you, for those of you complaining at home, and now I'm going to do it too. Uh, but it's, it's a name that I heard. Just kind of bandied about. I don't even know where I heard it. it. Just kind of started seeping into my brain like a subliminal message. And then I see, saw a uh, album review from Anthony Fantan. She's only like 18, 17, she's 18, 17 right? or eighteen, yeah. And then I saw a Hot Ones interview that she did. So I, I watched, watched that, that. And she was fairly irritating. Yeah. I thought she was just mm. well. She's a seventeen-year-old girl. She was no Jeff Goldblum. She yeah. I mean, kudos to her. She seems like she's being a seventeen-year-old girl, but the only difference is she swears a lot, and she gets to because she's famous, you know. And uh, Some I our really most loyal fans I'm about are, to, are teenage girls. I'm about to, yeah. Well, so, I mean, don't, let's not hate on them too much, or else we're gonna just, just you know. dear teenage girls, please don't try and be edgy just to prove that you're cool. That was the whole problem with the song that I, I'll look up the name of the song. It was just like edginess personified. Yeah, and uh, I know I'm gonna sound. Horrendously old. When I say this, really don't get her fashion sense at all. That's a lot of modern, but like musicians, big though. baggy, garish-looking clothing with an excess of jewelry, like an unbelievable, like every finger has a huge, mm. chunky, ornate ring on it, and like big, upside-down cross necklaces and stuff. We i mean, get it dude you vape i listened to the song bury a friend and yeah like i remember like the one refrain of the song is like i want to end myself or something seriously like that. yeah it's something like that i don't know maybe it's not literally that a lot it's... of people have have dismissed her as an industry plant meaning that the music industry saw her somebody in the music industry saw her went hey we can appeal to 14 year old you know uh, high school students I want to end me that's what she keeps saying oh, and like my. the comments are all about like how terrifying the video is or like um, I'm the like this comment this says me. that says that she's the most quirky music artist no she's not oh my goodness not, you have so. no idea dude um, yeah so it's mostly to appeal to people like that and uh, there's a lot of I guess borderline accusations that she was kind of just placed. In a music career by somebody in the industry, because she's had literally no, there's been no journey. Here's a good... Okay, or just don't, I'm sorry, don't I'm sorry. comment on what I'm I was, saying. I'm... You know how you make a good podcast? It's a conversation, <laughs> Jason, and if I'm just saying... Why can't we both things? just say different things? Because that's just, that's not how a podcast works. We will works. both monologue at the same time. Let's yeah, try that. Yeah, well that's what you were trying okay. to do, and I felt very insulted by it. Tuesday. My armpits are sweaty. <laughs> yeah, I bet they're sweaty. We're no, they're actually they're actually not hoodie. They're actually not.
1: Okay, so I, let's. Okay. Can I read this one comment, please. Oh, fine, read this the is one just a,
0: this is the what I'm talking about here. Someone commented, and I think these are lines in the song. Why don't you run from me? Cause I love you. Why aren't you scared for me? Cause I love you. All in capitals here. Cause I love you. Okay, well, thank you for that. That was, I'm sure. That was today's poetry. I'm sure that, reading. that bolstered our listenership significantly. Your okay. Billy Eyelash reading. What are we talking about today? Wait, well when do we play the theme music? We play the theme music after this section, but first I say, you know, what are you listening to reading right. playing lately? Okay. And, but I'll skip the one part because you don't read. So Actually, what have we been listening yesterday to? Or I sat down and I read for quite a while until Dad made me come help him make applesauce. But, you know, I wasn't mad about that. Uh, I've been. I was chipping away at Heart of Darkness. I'm almost done it. It's just been very dense, and I probably should have abandoned it a while ago just because I haven't been enjoying it because I've been so out of it, but that's kind of my fault. I've been playing a few things. Uh, I was just uh, bemoaning to Grant the fact that this Wolfenstein game that I've talked about before, this kind of campy Nazi first person shooter game. Not Nazi as in it's set in. Well, it's set in a Nazi kind of setting. An game. alternate. Uh, universe where the nazis won the war yes i'm on the final boss and it's one of the worst boss fights ever it's just stupid i'm not going to elaborate more than that but it's yeah it's just stupid um however other than that i've been playing bioshock infinite and i don't know if have we done an episode about bioshock no definitely not no way i don't think so maybe not i thought Um, that we had bioshock is one of our favorite games of all time and bioshock infinite is kind of the direct sequel to it in a way and so i've been very excited about that i've been really enjoying that and no doubt we'll have to talk about the bioshock series as a whole sometime in the future because it's really uh, important an important series for games it draws a lot on literature it's a a piece of art every bit as valid as a beautiful film or fantastic book Mm -hmm. should i be adjusting the mic upwards it's really sad. It's really drooping. Yeah, let's I just... This that's... might sound a bit weird, yeah. I can cut this out. Okay. Okay, hi everybody. We're back. Yeah. I and probably just had to trim that out. My one other addendum is that just for music, uh, I haven't really been listening to anything new new since, like, we did the Don <laughs> McCaslin review. Bless you. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But I've been listening to Bahamas for probably on average an hour and a half per day, I would say. I think I just least. moved an internal organ. Um, that's with that last that's okay I've been listening to a crazy amount of all four of Bahamas albums and I would be interested to do a podcast in the future about the music of Bahamas on the on the condition that we can do on on the music of David Bowie yeah that's a big episode wow that would yes. be a phenomenal episode almost like a two-parter <laughs> yeah we could okay that's what so, i am doing yeah and uh, for me I have uh, I've been watching more than anything else <gasps> we forgot the biggest one don't worry I'll get to it. So I, I blazed through The Haunting of Hill House. Very, very, uh, again, something I'm a latecomer to. I'm a latecomer to a lot of stuff because I have a very anaphylactic reaction to going along with any sort of media consumption trend and i mean once bitten twice shy i watched bird box when everybody was talking about it and it was an utter disappointment i didn't hear anybody who actually liked bird box though people were just talking about it in general but yeah i mean you watch it and then i'm like why did i why did i do that so anyway i watched the haunting of hill house very very good if you can stomach some pretty creepy horror i would recommend you check it out i'm really not a horror fan but the characters are very well developed in it and uh and yeah yeah it's a it follows a a family after a haunting that they kind of survive, or do they, and they just really, really end up feeling like real people who kind of get under your skin and into your brain and I really appreciated that about it. It was very thoughtfully thoughtfully done, and then Jason and I have started watching this. Comedy show that we discovered. It's it's really under co- the it's radar. It's Really good. It's very under the radar. This it's is going to be one of the things I'm really excited to introduce you guys yeah, to. Yeah, it's called The Office, and uh, and I, you guys, Have you just ever heard go, of this show before? I've never heard yeah. of it. No, yeah. you guys just got to go check it out. It's it's wacky. It's crazy. It's kind of in a faux documentary style with this wild cast of characters who work at a get this a paper distribution. Uh huh company called dunder mifflin like i mean <laughs> you guys are gonna love this <laughs> have you ever heard a crazier name than dunder mifflin just google if you google the office it will actually TV come up. show yeah America. 2005 to 2013 u.s steve carell jenna fisher john krasinski rain wilson bj novak it should pop it up. will probably come up yeah you might have to scroll for a bit but you will find it yeah, and believe it's me, worth you'll it. be you'll be glad that you did so yeah we've been watching that and really enjoying it so, we gotta do an we gotta do our first ever TV show episode on The Office, I think. Because Yeah, I mean who knows how many people we could introduce to it. Yeah. All kidding aside though, seriously? No, kidding is not a sign. Kidding is not a sign? Okay. It's a really a fantastic show. Ready? Go! I just brought out a snack food and now I'm vibrating as hard as I can. But do, you know what the, do you know what the snack food is? No, it looks kind of like something Fig Newton-ish just in terms of form factor, but I don't know. What? <laughs> yeah, donuts! Wow. Jason's, Jason's got a brain vein that's literally about to leave his body right no now. They smell, like, awesome. Yeah, I'm a little suspicious of them, but in a good way. They're awesome. Where did you find them? these? Sobeys. Oh. Okay. That's That's a good donut. You're aboard the Good Ship Brothership. It's the only arts podcast that covers film, music, gaming, literature, and, and donuts. good donuts. I am Grant. And I'm Jason. And Jason, what are we talking about today? Today we actually have a pretty cool episode that we didn't know we were doing until a few days ago. We are doing a review of two, I'm going to say 1980s, technically not, basically two 80s uh, sci-fi thrillers films. Uh, We were doing The Thing, which was actually made in 1979, and we were doing the infamous movie Alien, released in 1982. So I think these movies are kind of an interesting pairing. They have a lot of similarities. They are released a similar time. They both feature a scenario where there's an alien that's kind of hunting them. And there's a interesting crew of characters that are trying to defeat the alien. They're both in isolated settings. Um, they're but, actually wildly similar. Yes. But at the same time, it's kind of interesting because you look at a movie like The Thing, I believe its budget was around $6 million and it grossed around $10 million at the box office. It was kind of a flop. Then you look at Alien... I think its budget was ten to twenty million. They have a big spread. They don't really know how well, how much it cost, and same with the box office. But the box office was between I think a hundred and a hundred and ninety million. Really? Yeah. So the numbers a big spread. Yeah, I'm quite sure. Check, check, because I don't want to be wrong. Scroll down on that right info bar there. I know where it is. Yeah, 104 to 205. Holy cow! So, the thing was kind of a flop and. Alien was a massive, breakthrough, blow-up, humongous box office success. And we should say as well that Alien came out three years after yeah. the thing. So it's not like... It's I not got like... the dates wrong. Alien was 79, the thing was 82. I misspoke earlier. Was it? Yeah. You're, you're correct. Yeah. So, yeah, the thing came out two years later. So it's not... What I mean to say is it's not like they were competing right. concurrently in the mm. box office. Right. Yeah, so... Um, I'll, uh, shall we flip the puppet mm-hmm. for, uh, what we do first? And I think. Now. I think it's fairly obvious how the puppet. I would say the thing should be. be face up. No. What? thing should be face down. But. Alien. The chest burster. But the alien keeps hiding, so I was thinking face down, because he's kind of like a The chest burster. Okay, that's face. fine. It's fine. The thing will be face up. Okay. it's the thing? And, no. Alien? Okay, yeah, alien. Alien. Okay. And this also makes sense, because it's. Chronological. In that sense. True. So I will read the Wikipedia entry for Alien. Okay. Uh, Alien is a 1979 science fiction horror film directed by Ridley Scott and written by Dan O'Bannon. Based on a story by O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett, it. Excuse me. Uh. Oh. That was unprofessional. Yeah, that was... We, we can't do it, this anymore. It follows the the commercial space tug Nostromo, who encountered the eponymous alien, a deadly and aggressive extraterrestrial set loose on the ship. The film stars uh, Tom Skerritt, Sigourtney Weaver, Veronica Cartwright, Harry Dean Stanton, John Hurt, Ian Holm, and Yafat Kato. It was produced by Gordon Carroll, David Giller, and Walter Hill through their company Brandywine Productions and distributed by 20th Century Fox. Um, let me just see what I want to say here. Alien was released on May 25th, 1979 in the United States and September 6th in the United Kingdom. What a difference, eh? Mm -hmm. From May till September. It was met with critical acclaim and box office success, winning the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, three Saturn Awards for Best Science Fiction Film, Best Direction, and Best Supporting Actress for Cartwright. Interesting. And a Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation along with numerous other nominations. It has been consistently praised in the years since its release and is considered one of the greatest films of all time. In 2002, Alien was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress and was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry. In 2008, it was ranked by the American Film Institute as the seventh best film in the science fiction genre as and as the 33rd greatest film of all time by Empire Magazine. And then it says here the success of Alien spawned a media franchise of films, novels, comic books, video games and toys. It also launched we- Sigourney Weaver's acting career providing her with her first lead role. The story of her character's encounters with the alien became the thematic and narrative core of the sequels Alien's, Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. And then there's a crossover with Predator, Alien vs. Predator, that everybody knows about. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. And uh, do you want to go first or shall I? I'll go first. Okay. So, obviously, this movie, as we just highlighted, is an absolute legend. But I didn't know that much about it before we watched it. Obviously, like, I know what the alien looks like. I feel like everyone knows what the alien looks like. And I knew the, the kind of general premise that they're trapped on a spaceship with an alien who kills people whatever that was pretty much all I knew so going into it like that I didn't have huge expectations and I found that it was totally fun um it's actually quite well shot quite beautiful and yeah it's a it's a really fun watch I wouldn't put it on a pedestal I feel like those like the seven whatever it was 33rd best film of all time or something I feel like that's super rose tinted maybe that's just me but I I don't think it's, like, in the pantheon of the best films I've ever seen by any stretch. But I had a lot of fun with it. I found it a lot creepier than The Thing. And I'll be making a lot of comparisons between the two because they bear comparison. And that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I found it a lot creepier than The Thing, but part of that might have been because I watched Alien mostly, like, alone late at night. And I wouldn't call either of these two horror movies. And part of it's because the visual effects have aged so much that you kind of have to have a chuckle at some of them. That said, though, compared to the thing, Alien holds up remarkably well in terms of not looking cheesy. A lot of it really looks quite good, overall. While we're on the topic of special effects, though, I want to say that there's one scene. Um, I hope I know exactly what you're. There's about one say. scene that. All right, can I try and predict it? Yes, but are you are we going spoilers? Like it's hard to spoil movies like this. It's so know. hard to spoil, especially Alien. Yeah. The thing it has half the notoriety of Alien. Yeah. And is really still a cult film, while Alien is a cultural yeah. icon. Okay, we're going to spoil Alien, but honestly, I don't think it really matters well, that we'll much. S- we might spoil okay. a moment. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, so fair warning. Yeah. A moment of Alien. It will not wreck the film for you at all. I'm not going to get specific. Is the scene you're talking about when the chestburster comes out and then rips across the table? No, that's a good one Really? Too, no. Because it just goes, like, in, like, a straight line yeah. with no it's when, movement. It's when they go to interrogate uh, the, the android. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, that scene yeah, looked so. so inexcusably bad. Even at the time, all they would have had to do was show the model, then cut to someone's face, and then show the real dude. That's all they would have had to do. But they have this hard cut in the film where one second you're looking at, like, a... Uh, rubber model of a face and then the next second it cuts to like their real dude and he's just kind of playing yeah there but it looks so bad because you can see the exact moment they cut i don't care how old the movie is they could have done something creative like shown a different camera angle in between the two so you didn't notice it as much and that actually kind of unironically bothered me because i was like there is no excuse for why you couldn't have so made this look better i like i remember seeing that and going like oh haha ha, ha. you know but is there is it a shot of the face with the... It's uh, a continuous shot, but then it jumps to... Really? Is, I rewound it to watch it again, because I was like, they didn't do that, did I don't they? think that I remember that. Yeah, I'll, we'll pop it in and we'll watch it after. Yeah. Because um, it's actually unbelievably bad. <laughs> huh. And yeah, the, the scene the little burster dude is pretty bad, too. So, overall, the visual effects, I would say, hold up well enough. They're still cheesy, but it's impressive how good they look. But there are moments like that that certainly show their age. Another highlight of this movie for me is Sigourney Weaver, showcasing in the late 70s a very power, empowered female lead who is really not sexualized or objectified, but is just... Or put on a pedestal as a woman. Or put on a pedestal, as a, on woman, a pedestal as a woman, yeah. But just a complete badass. And this is... We'll try not to go down this road again, because we go on this road a lot. But we don't need crappy remakes with all female casts that are remakes of good movies that have already been done. We need movies like this. And since want. since we recorded our last episode, another one came out. Yeah. What Men Want. Yeah. Which is, which <laughs> is the worst, I think, so far. What, what about the wh- Females Ghostbusters? What, no. Mm. What Women Want is a funny idea because all men wonder what women want. What Men Want is no secret to anyone. Men are like an open book and women are these weird, secretive creatures that nobody can really figure out. That... Is the crux of the premise. As soon as you go, what men want, people go, yeah, I know. I know, yeah. Yeah. So all that... Stupid. All that to say, this movie is an excellent example of a wonderful female-led movie. And if we could just make a few movies like this and then just stop crying about everything else, then we could have a very balanced and enjoyable Hollywood. Sigourney Weaver is so cool. Yeah. She's... She's so cool she's awesome because she's human she has these moments of weakness where she looks really afraid or whatever but at the same time she's strong she's she smart, does what she has to do she bosses the other people around yeah. like yeah she's awesome she's very um, very and that was cool. one of my favorite parts of the movie I think I spelled alien um, wrong in terms of visuals before we get too far off of that having talked about the effects already no I think I spelled um, right the cinematography I thought was good It's shot by Ridley Scott, the guy who made Blade Runner, which is aesthetically one of the most cool movies of all time. This is not nearly as cool as that, but it's still cool. It's maybe 60-70% of the Blade Runner cool, and that's more than enough for me. It has a very nice cold blue aesthetic with a lot of contrast, like a lot of uh, darks where you're just left in shadow, and that really lends to that creepy feel of the movie. That's very well executed, and I admire Um, I admire the cinematography of the movie. I'm not putting it up on a pedestal like La La Land, but it's... Or indeed Blade Runner. Or indeed Blade Runner, certainly. But it's a lot better than it would have had to been, you know? And in a movie like this that's a really kind of a popcorn flick, it's really nice to see, like, wow, there's a big touch of artistry here. Um, Absolutely. I also love the dynamic, and we see this in both movies, so I'll just highlight it here. There's something that really appeals to me, the dynamic where the alien has more power. They have the advantage, but at the same time, the humans have the capability to fight back. It keeps it from being a total horror movie like we see in It, where the kids are pretty much just helpless, right? For the duration for the duration mm-hmm. of the movie, they go into the house and see the clown, and they're just trying to run away or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I guess it's, it's more, well, it's still a predator-prey relationship in mm-hmm. Alien or the thing. They have but... the means to fight back yeah i think i think that a crucial component of horror can sometimes be hope yeah and the if if you're presented with hope Mm -hmm. and then hope is removed you know time and time again that builds up the horror yeah definitely so i think that in that sense being able to fight back doesn't necessarily make it not a true horror movie yeah that's true one other thing I will say too that these that both of these movies do exceptionally well and I think you'll probably agree with this is they both have a very similarly sized ensemble cast of very distinctive characters that lends itself to a movie like this where um, they're kind of splitting up they're pairing off differently throughout the movie and you get a chance to see each of their characteristics either you see them alone or you see them just in pairs talking to each other and that makes movies like these much more interesting when we have all these, like, oh, this guy's a bit of a loose cannon, I don't know if I really trust him, and um, I think this guy really could, like, he's the strong, silent guy, I think he really stands a chance, you know, I'm rooting for him. And because of the size of these casts and the fact that they're, it's just a movie, you don't really get to know them super intimately, but I like archetypes in a movie like this, it gives me people to root for and root against. So overall... I would say, too, that this movie does air a little bit more towards the horror and less towards the cheese and camp than The Thing does. But both of them are fun watches. Neither of them are actually horror movies by any stretch of the imagination. They're more like thrillers. And I can certainly see how Alien has all the acclaim it has, and I think the fact that they did this in 79 is quite amazing. But at the end of the day, it's it's not one of my favorite movies of all time. It It failed to wow me in a huge way in any regard. Yeah. That's it. Okay, well, um and I I might approach these movies with a somewhat different lens. I have a massive, massive, massive fondness for Blade Runner, which mm-hmm. I guess must have been the next. I can't totally confirm it, but I think it would have been the next movie ridley scott made after alien because this movie I'll came out that. in 79 and blade runner came out in 82 which is actually the same year mm. that the thing came out so i can't imagine that he squeezed something else in there unless he's managed to clone himself sometime in that era but but alien really is just a long line in ridley scott's many masterpieces and quite frankly a lot of his pitfalls He's released some Alien sequels in recent years, such as Prometheus, that have been a complete letdown and show that he really has a very different understanding than his own fans as to what makes this movie special and fantastic and unique. You're right. He did make them back to back. Okay. Which is unbelievable that you would make Alien and then Blade Runner. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And just to be frank, right out the gate, Blade Runner stomps on Alien. And he's really made nothing since then that had the same... No. He he, was he did Black Hawk Down. Yep. Which, well, that did win awards. hmm And The Martian. Yep. But those are the two biggest ones since then. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's a filmmaker. Ridley Scott is a filmmaker who's very inconsistent. He's not quite... Well, Stanley Kubrick was pretty inconsistent, but he's not like, say... The Coens or Mm. Paul Thomas Anderson, where there's this kind of like clear consistency, like a baseline to his entire filmography. The worst Coen Brothers movie is still pretty darn good that I've seen. But Ridley Scott just really, on a fundamental level, seems to just get very lucky. Mm. And when I think when he finds a well-written story and he latches onto it, that's when he makes something incredible. When he tries to write his own films, I think he's a bad writer. And he just kind of loses the plot. Pardon the pun. But, uh, yeah, so the, the setting of, of Alien is is very isolated. It's in a harsh environment, i.e. outer space. Yes, which, good point. Which, as we'll learn, is very similar to uh, The Thing. Um, and it's it definitely has the setting... Which I want to focus in on a little bit. That's good. I the, s- that. the setting has a definite kind of like two thousand one a space odyssey feeling to it. You've mm-hmm. got, you've got uh, the enclosure of the of the spaceship, and yet same as like city size, a, a huge spaceship. spaceship but it's still enclosed. You mm-hmm. you know that these are characters. You cannot really feasibly leave the confines of the spaceship. Mm-hmm. They are for all intents and purposes kind of marooned there as they sojourn back to Earth. You've got these big, huge banks of yellow and red and blue lights, uh, kind of flicking off and on. You've got the bright white glow of this medical room that they spend some time in, a kind of surgical room. You've got big, gorgeous-looking spacesuits kind of hanging on racks. And this is Ridley Scott's signature to me, is you look at an environment... You look at the props and the setting and you completely buy that this is a real place. That people have lived in this spaceship and worked in this spaceship and that that lever that you're looking at at the side of the screen, that does something. It does something specific. And you get a really beautiful kind of utilitarian, genuine feel to the setting. Everything looks incredibly convincing, which is something so few filmmakers can pull off. A science fiction spacesuit that actually looks functional while still looking futuristic and kind of improbable. You know, it's just it's a beautiful beautiful thing to see these different tools and weapons and like I said the banks of switches and like the cockpit all look like somewhere, you know, and just the way that the characters sit with their feet up mm-hmm. on, like, on the banks of the controls. They look like they're comfortable here. It looks like they live and work here, and or the big table that they kind of gather around to eat at. Uh-huh. Now, on the subject of um, kind of the setting and the futuristic nature and stuff like that, what did you think of Mother because it's kind of interesting because it's like this space oh, and yeah. this character. Right, yeah. And I kind of... It's kind of a how... So Mother in this movie is mm-hmm. kind of... If you've seen 2001, it's a how-like supercomputer entity that they kind of consult for any difficulties they might face and to um, interface with Mother. Yeah. I Well, but they don't really have to because they ask it questions from all over the ship. But there seems to be some sort of central control term, hub. This term Yeah, Yeah, and you head in there, and it's this big kind of padded, almost globe-shaped room with white padded walls and and lights all over it. Hundreds of lights, some of which are blinking off and on, and then a central kind of like computer terminal that you sit at, and you can type in questions for Mother, and she will presumably answer Run the numbers kind of thing. Yeah, um, I thought it was... I thought it was kind of incidental. I thought it was kind of underutilized, but a it cool was, idea. Yeah, it was cool. It was a little incidental. It kind of was left me going, okay, so what? Like it was it kind of twenty minutes into the into yeah, the movie before it, I went, oh, that's what mother is. They mentioned it a yeah, few times. And I didn't really get it. It doesn't really serve mm-hmm. a distinct purpose, really. It's it. You could cut it out, and the plot would not suffer at all. Um, outside of the setting, which is a perfect ten out of ten, up there with like say Blade Runner or really The Martian, the setting and everything. I I'm gonna watch the Martian again. I love that movie. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Like like I said, Ridley Scott has this propensity to attract craftspeople who build these incredibly genuine feeling worlds mm. that are fully realized and absolutely flawless. And it's a spine chilling thing when you actually realize, when you actually observe how fantastic it feels and how real it it seems to you. Outside of that, we've got a cast of characters who are all very memorable and and human. Uh, yet, I think in compared to the thing, in comparison to the thing, they might not be at that same level. I agree. Some of the characters are a little um, color by numbers. You've got kind of the hysterical. And uh, I don't want to say spineless, but a little bit hysterical. This other woman, not Ridley yeah. Scott, who's a little hysterical. Not You've Sigourney got Weaver, kind of like, oh, sorry, yeah, Sigourney Weaver. You've got uh, she's not Ridley Scott either, though. You've got the two kind of like stoner slacker bros. The one of whom wears a Hawaiian shirt. That's Harry Dean Stanton, is his way by the his name, by the way. Yeah, the mechanics who are kind of uh, kind of slackers and kind of mouthy and lippy and. You've got the brave, courageous uh, captain who's kind of the stoic type, who I did like. I, and, and, and this isn't to say I didn't like these characters. With movies like didn't... these, I feel like you can kind of get away with archetypes. Not that yeah. it's not better to have a fleshed out character, but an archetypical character, for me at least, is more acceptable in a movie like this than in a lot of other movies. It is. And the the uh, the cast does work well together. There's some good tension there and you don't really you don't really question what any of them are doing there. Maybe the second female role, mm-hmm. the one who's not Sigourney Weaver, I kind of went, what is she doing in outer space on basically an oil rig with all these kind of gruff, rough and tumble type of people. So, yeah, and but out of the cast, Sigourney Weaver is is outstanding as you touched upon. She, and, and the beautiful thing to me is that even though I knew, and I feel like everybody knows, if you have kind of a cursory knowledge of film, or of course if you've seen the movie, that she does become the main character, it still surprised me when it led to that. And I didn't she... know that she was the main character going into the movie, but I did figure it out at the beginning because she was like the only... Her... Well, Harry Dean's but she was the only, like, A-list actor in the movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's A-list after, in retrospect, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But she... Uh, yeah, and and it it kind of... That's a lovely thing. When you can't necessarily predict... And I can't say the same thing of The Thing. Right. Because, I mean, you look at The Thing, and there's one guy there who's incredibly handsome and very capable, and it's Kurt Russell. Yeah. And everybody else is kind of... The other people. Yeah. <laughs> and you go... Oh, okay, it's going to be Kurt Russell. But, but her kind of uh, gradual, how the movie kind of funnels down to her being the, the uh, protagonist was done very beautifully and in a, in a very nice way. Uh, yeah, the, the, the... Oh, I already covered that. And I just stuttered too. That was nice. So the, the special effects in this movie, I don't think are quite as good as The Thing. Really? Yeah. I think that they went for a much more realistic and frightening sort of thing. And I will admit, this movie gave me jump scares twice. It's more frightening than the thing, I would say. It is definitely more frightening than the thing, but I don't think that the visual effects are quite as good. There are Mm. a couple very dated and clunky man-in-a-suit moments that you don't get with the the thing. I'm not saying that the thing looks more convincing, but... The special effects in the thing are, by a country mile, I would say, more impressive than Alien. You do realize at a certain point that Alien is super humanoid because they got to put a dude in a suit for a yeah, couple shots. Ex- yeah, and and you see the dude in the suit. Yeah, in the couple shots, and it did not ruin the movie for me at all. We talked about a, 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 another few scenes where the special effects were kind of dodgy, especially the. I'm not going to keep harping on it, but the one they they had no excuse. Yeah uh and and overall though this is a totally different type of fear and horror if we can call it that than than the thing the thing's um creature is much more viral it's more spreads more like an infection mm-hmm. among these uh these i guess soldiers and this is more of a of an unstoppable enemy a predator that uh, hunts these people. And and, the cli- and, and and the climax of this movie kind of reflects that. It's much more, you know, guns blazing, action-packed, even than The Thing. The Thing's ending is much more novelistic, I think, yeah. and... It is based off a novel. I do... novella. And I think I do prefer the novelistic kind of style of ending, but you can't deny the impact that aliens ending has it's a it's a totally cool ending. All in all, very cool movie. I will rewatch it many times. I'm sure. I'll rewatch both of them for um, sure. Uh, and especially for like just that set design, it is totally worth renting it for four bucks or whatever you have to pay on iTunes. Would you agree? Yeah. Just it's... just for the set design, for the costumes and the uh, props and the setting. That's not to say that there's not other good things about it, but those are the things that made me go, wow, I can see why this is a legendary movie. Both of these movies are worth the four bucks to rent, but if you have to watch one, watch Alien. I don't know if I agree with it. I, I don't know if I agree with well, it. Well, shall we move on? Yes, to the Gabber Jabber. Oh, dear. To the Gabber Jabber. Hold on. I still can't really remember what to... Eight? Eight? Was it eight? No. Um, ready. Okay, we'll, we'll use this. Okay everybody, welcome to the Gabber Jabber. This is the part of the show where we find and pimp for you in a purely, you know what's uh, the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Like we're not Anyway. Altruistic um, in, no. In a in a purely figurative sense. That's oh. what I was going for. Um a movie Slash I guess TV series from Canadian Reservoir Netflix. Dogs is back on there. Should we go for that? I've still never seen it, so you can't. I can't say one way or the no, other. No, and it's supposed to be like like phenomenal. It is. Okay, so we're gonna go for Reservoir Dogs. This is the very, very, very first film by Quentin Tarantino. It's a really outstandingly unique and interesting. Okay. I can't listen to any of that for no. more than like one r- rotation. It's a really outstandingly unique and interesting film where it, it, it is a heist movie where the heist is never shown. It's the aftermath of the heist, and it's incredibly interesting. It's incredibly well-written and nicely directed, very well-acted, and it is very, 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 very crude. I cannot stress this enough. You will hear more, you know, crude language in this movie than you could ever hope for. And so, yeah, I guess what I'm saying, don't watch it with your parents, don't watch it with your kids, and don't watch it with your parrot, because it will say terrible things to you for the rest of its days. But there it is, Reservoir Dogs, a a must-see, in my opinion, for somebody who considers themselves to be a real film fan. Well. I guess I got to get on that. Yep, you really do. Okay. Now we are moving on to John Carpenter's The Thing. Do you want to read the Wikipedia and then I, I would love to first? Okay. The Thing is a 1982 American science fiction horror film directed by John Carpenter and written by Bill Lancaster, based on the 1938 John W. Campbell Jr. novella Who Goes There? It tells the story of a group of American researchers in Antarctica who encounter the eponymous Thing, a parasitic extraterrestrial life form that assimilates then in, imitates other organisms. Um, the group is overcome by paranoia and conflict as they learn that they can no longer trust each other and that any one of them could be the Thing. The film stars Kurt Russell as the team's helicopter pilot, R.J. McCready, <laughs> great name, and features A. Wilford Brimley. T.K. Carter, David Clennon, etc. in supporting roles. I think that's probably all that needs to be read. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was Uh, released in 1982 to very negative reviews. This would actually be good to read. It was described as, and these are all in quotes, instant junk, a wretched excess, and proposed as the most hated film of all time. What? Reviews both praised the special effects achievements and criticized their visual repulsiveness while others focused on poor characterization. The film earned $19.6 million during its theatrical run. Many reasons have been cited for its failure to impress audiences. Competition from films such as E.T., which offered an optimistic take on the alien visitation, uh, a summer that had been filmed with successful sci-fi and fantasy films, and an audience living through a recession diametrically opposed to the thing's nihilistic tone. However, the film found an audience when released on home video and television. In years since it has been reappraised as one of the best science fiction or horror films ever wow. made and has gained a cult following. Filmmakers have noted its influence on their work and it has been referred to in other media such as television and video games. So there you I go, had pretty no idea di- pretty that polarizing, it was, huh? I, I had never read that paragraph where it was it was very negative junk reviewed and proposes the most hated who that sounds like something friggin' Roger Ebert would say. Yeah.
1: That wouldn't Ryan, surprise oh, me.
0: I'm trying to find the source here. Okay, Ryan Lambie. John Carpenter's a thing at an icy critical reception. I've seen at least 50 movies that are... No, more than 50. I've seen a lot of movies that many, are worse many, than the thing. Many, many, yeah. many movies that are worse than The thing. I watched Chariots also, of Fire, guys. Also, can I just say, what is that video game that is exactly Alien before i forget to mention it oh um is it just it's not just alien is it the one that came out a few years ago yeah let me google it because i was i was thinking about that game i've never I played this is. this particular video game but i was just astounded by how much it sounds like it ripped off of alien it might be legit though i forgot if it if it is then that makes complete sense if there's a xenomorph yeah, calling alien isolation. Alien isolation. Okay, thank goodness. Okay, never mind. Then we can move on. All right, so John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, so before... I just want to preface this with a little bit... Not even a bio, more of a CV for John Carpenter, the director of this movie. His back catalog includes... Uh, other other films like Halloween, They Live, Escape from New York, Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from LA, Escape not? from LA. Yeah. yeah, I think he directed both, and a couple others too. So this is a dude with like a very, very diverse kind of range when it comes to. Excuse me, jeez, from to filmmaking, not not more like Ridley Scott's just pure sci-fi fantasy mm-hmm. CV. So I think that that's kind of just. Interesting and might be part of what makes this film as strong as I do feel that it is. Uh, I've got written down here a little bit of backstory that we don't need anymore. This This movie, to me, bears a distinctly modern aesthetic, even over Alien. There's nothing overly dated about the kind of cinematography of Alien, I don't think, but right. the thing looks distinctly modern the lighting is by turns a warm yellow and then a cold kind of digital blue. very nicely color. lit very very well lit and and this seems like kind of grasping at straws for praise but it is just a beautiful beautifully shot film how is that grasping at straws for praise That's one of the most important parts of a movie how does it look yeah but i mean People might think, you know, we're saying that because the acting or the oh, writing or the effects aren't great. I'm just saying. Yeah. You do watch this movie and you go, wow, it looks phenomenal. And something that I have a humongous love for, like maybe my favorite thing in the movie or one of them, is that establishing shot of this yes. observatory. Um, the movie takes place in Antarctica, as Graham will probably elaborate on, in a scientific observatory. And throughout the course of the movie, at least, I would say at least four times, there's the same shot of the outside of the observatory. Just a a shot for a few seconds. And over the course of the movie, it'll be at different times of day and different weather conditions. And it does an excellent job of setting the tone. It's beautifully framed. I love... It would have been a perfect still image kind of thing. Um, And it's the best use of an establishing shot I've ever seen. I really wonder if that is a miniature they're filming or if they actually constructed that uh, kind of compound. i Google that too. But yeah, and this Arctic setting in uh, in the comparison of this film to Alien is a really, really genius setting for a movie like this, for a, an, an Earth-based, I guess a terrestrial kind of alien invasion movie. Because you've got uh, that just really hostile outer environment that is as close to as close to outer space as we can get on land. I mean, underwater is undoubtedly more like outer space, but being in the arctic with the harsh elements out there, you know, you cannot survive by yourself out there. It is very similar to outer space and I think that that is and this goes more back to the novella. It's just a brilliant brilliant setting. The the cast of characters in this movie is distinct from alien in a couple ways one there are no women this is a bunch of dudes a bunch of researchers apparently up north at this observatory mm-hmm. do they seem like researchers to me not even slightly one or two of them one or two of them could be maybe wilford brimley's character the doctor yeah. and maybe actually the, uh, kurt sk- russell the skinny dude with the revolver too oh yeah 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 he could be yeah he's very professional i really yeah, like yeah. that character great character but uh, for the most part, none of these guys seem like researchers. There's one of them who wears a denim jacket emblazoned with all sorts of different... They look like band logos or something like that. And he's constantly smoking weed. There is one very young uh, African-American character who appears to be like their cook or something like, like that. Seems like high school age. I don't know why they would have like one person up there who just cooks... But uh, he also wears roller skates at all times and roller skates around the, the uh, compound kind of thing. In a weird way, just tangentially, Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like a, a Metal Gear Solid game. Not to the same extent, but just in terms of like the cast is... Inex- you can't rationalize how weird the cast is. There's a Hawaiian shirt dude. but It just is. But it also reminds me of Apocalypse Now, which is my favorite movie of all time, mm-hmm. where you define these characters not with how they would maybe be done in a lot of movies now with a couple really clunky kind of shoehorn crammed in expository conversations where they go you know my mother she left me when i was a kid she was an alcoholic you know and that's your backstory that's how you know who this character is here we know who a character is by their hairstyle. We know by the jacket with all the band logos. We know by the fact that he smokes pot and lips off to everybody. We know that this kid is young and carefree and happy because he's roller skating everywhere. Mm-hmm. We know uh, this one guy is responsible by the way he, well, by the way he carries himself. I guess that's more the actor, but by his haircut and his you know thin, severe kind of face and the fact that he is carrying a kind of Wild West style revolver on his hip we know that kurt russell's character is a very capable person because we see how he dresses in a massive kind of fur collar coat with big goggles to protect him from the snow and a big floppy hat and he's got a big beard and long hair uh the characterization is a writer's workshop in this Mm. movie just incidental little details that really don't mean anything. There's no point to them for the story, but they add humanity to these characters we're kind of because like read the novella. Yeah, that would be very cool because people are different, you know, and people have their own little quirks. And quite frankly, when you get I don't know seven or nine, I can't remember how many people it is, and put them together in an observatory in the Arctic, they're going to get a little bit weirder than they were to begin with. Mm-hmm. That's just that's probably a fact. Even though they were supposed to be scientists, um, the the tension in this film kind of ratchets up, of course, as you'd expect as the running time moves along. And yet, it doesn't rely on jump scares or a melodramatic score with a, kind of a dun dun dun. Not to rag on Jaws, that's a great score, but kind of Jaws. a kind of a you know the music doesn't tell you how to feel really at any points um and and i do think that that's admirable It's something that's tough to come by now mm-hmm. we're always kind of being steered emotionally especially by the scores and movies and they're very heavy-handed and that's kind of redacted for the uh for the visual power that you're trying to establish and speaking of visual power we come to the visual effects one-tenth of this film's budget was spent on visual effects it's 15 million dollar budget one and a half million dollars spent on effects in 1982 and i know for a fact as well i've heard stories to the special effects team like some of them were i believe hospitalized after shooting this movie because they worked so hard and slept like two hours a night kind of thing the special effects do look a little dated you know, there's no, there's no way around that. They don't look, you know, incredibly realistic or anything. Are they laughable in parts? Yes. Absolutely. I don't think that they're laughable. Totally they because are. Because I'm not laughing at them like I might be in, say, Alien. Instead, I, I find them, abs these special effects moments, which are incredibly grotesque. Mm-hmm. And very, very over the top. I find them absolutely riveting as pure craftsmanship. Yeah, that's fair. And I find them exciting just to see, oh, like what gross thing am I going to see now? And you know that that it means something. It's not just a bunch of CG... Okay, I don't want to rag on all our listeners who are in computer-generated effects, but there's something really thrilling about knowing that that was constructed by hand physically and that gives it a certain weight and a certain significance. That is my Going, favorite thing about Blade Runner, right? Is knowing yeah. that all of this happened somehow. Whether yeah. this was a miniature or or however this was done. Somebody made a way to shoot this physically on a camera. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. And And it's impressive. The visual effects in this are very impressive and I think they are more impressive than... The alien, uh, VFX, because there is so much going on here. They're, they're more got, ambitious. For they're sure. way more ambitious with their VFX in this in this movie, and uh, it is just a scream. And I mean that in terms of like very enjoyable. Like you're laughing. I found myself laughing out of sheer delight watching some of this grotesquerie kind of mm-hmm. like unfolding before my eyes. And that, for me, was, like, the film's great joy. I didn't find it all that scary. It's certainly unsettling, kind of, in parts. Mm-hmm. With the dogs but near the beginning, it's just... It, it's just creepy. Yeah, it's not it scary, but it's yeah. creepy. It's not... it. This movie is not as scary as Alien. But it kind those, of makes you squirm. Those visual effects, though, yeah. are just an absolute joy to behold. Seeing how creative they are and how gross and it's like, ooh, you know, and, and you're watching, you know, I, I really don't want to spoil the visual effects in this or describe them mm-hmm. in any way, because you really have to see them to believe them. And they are just so fun. And then the film, as it reaches its climax, it, you know, it's both kind of novelistic, but it is also very visually arresting mm-hmm. and, and kind of film cin- cinematic in that, in that sense, not to mention it leaves absolutely no room for a sequel which is fantastic which is amazing and it is not something you see in many movies at all today and i applaud that so yeah that's my okay. those are my thoughts which did you prefer i'm actually here's the thing i'm torn i know i told people to watch alien and it's the greater it's more important for film history by far etc but I don't know which I liked more. I might. I don't. Hmm. Let me it's, do my review and then it's I'll a really it it's a such a tough call. We can discuss it when you're done okay. your review. Um, so at, with Alien, I started off my review by saying, you know, I only knew the basics, blah blah blah. Didn't have many expectations. With this movie, I knew literally. I don't. I don't know if I had heard of it or not, but I knew nothing about it. So I just sat back and enjoyed it, and I really, I really did have fun with it. I feel like the viewing experience is different Than it was when the movie was released And I feel like in some ways It's almost shifted genres over time Because I feel like this movie would have Scared the bejesus out of you When it first came out Yeah, probably, and both of them would have Yeah, yeah. And now I feel like It's fun It almost makes you laugh sometimes The effects The visual effects, like you said it's, That's the clear highlight of the movie Is the visual effects and there's a huge <laughs> element of craftsmanship that's enjoyable, and they are super grotesque, but they're not so real that they really gross you out. You, mm. It's more like, whoa, and then you kind of laugh. You have a good yeah. laugh at it, and it's weirdly lighthearted, considering what's actually happening in the movie, and I feel like over the decades since it's been released, that's been the key shift, is it's not scary, it's fun. An Alien is kind of neutral. It's a little scary, a little bit fun. much more action much more poker faced absolutely this movie I had a good laugh at it and that's good I I think when I sat down dad watched it with me I sat down made some comment to him like we can't have our all art house movies all the time the last movie him and I watched together before this was There Will Be Blood not an art house movie but it's like a three hour long epic like high like an artistic it's it's definitely on the artsy side yeah so sitting down to watch this and some some flames and some guys getting eaten or whatever. Some flames. Lots of flames. 70% of the frames in this movie have fire in yeah. them somewhere. <laughs> it was, it was kind of awesome. This movie, I will say the same thing I said for Alien, and you touched on this as well. It was shot better than I expected. It was no La La Land. I wouldn't put it up on a huge pedestal, but it did much more than it had to. And I was very impressed to see both of these movies execute what i would give i would give them both a b plus say for cinematography there are, there was a few shots that establishing th- shot i was just like man that, this is this is so cool you know um antarctica is just the perfect setting i think i like it even more than outer space not necessarily the set design stuff but the idea of the setting cuz you're kind of on home turf you understand the very real danger of it's of the the thing spreading to the rest of humanity yeah, in a viral way. That's true. And I know that they're bringing the alien back to Earth for humanity and maybe they could clone it or something. But at the end of the day, there's like, I don't know if the alien can reproduce on its own or I don't know what the deal is with that. But with the thing, we understand it could have this huge impact on all of humanity if they don't do something about it. And that adds more gravitas to the situation. But on the other hand, Antarctica is so isolated that uh you get the sense that these guys are on their own no help is coming i just realized while you're talking there there's actually another similarity between these two uh, movies and that is that they both consult like a computer about the threat that they're under yes and in the thing they have just a computer it makes absolutely no sense and they punch in I don't know, like, and it's it's the uh, it's the early '80s, so it's yeah. that. What do they call it? Is that DOS? Is it? Is that what? The, you, I, how you refer to that aesthetic? I think so. It's I just could be the, wrong. it's just that really retro-looking green text on the black monitor, and they punch in. I don't know, like alien, capable alien life form capable of cloning itself, and they ask the computer how long till, you know, Earth is completely overrun and it gives like like three years yeah three years or something until the earth is completely overrun, wiped out but uh yeah i i never realized that parallel before as well there's a lot of a lot of commonality between two very different movies um but the central crux of this movie being that the thing can look it can take on the form of anything yeah so it could easily spread to the rest of the earth but antarctica and I'm jumping around a little bit. I'm getting excited. Antarctica is such a great setting because it's very space-like because it's dramatic weather. Like, you don't really want to go outside without a huge suit on, mm-hmm. as in space. You know, it, people kind of take on... The people look weird when they have their ski goggles and their huge coats. You look almost inhuman, you know, when you're all bulked up like, like that. a space you know, suit. Yeah. And it has this very dramatic landscape with all these snow drifts and mass at, like, the they go to visit another camp at one point that's all snowed in and and it it really has kind of a space feel that is it's really kind of cool um side note why do they have so many flamethrowers where did they get those i was wondering that for the whole why movie why do they need them i'm like okay you, we're a science, you we're a science crew on an expedition in Antarctica. I Guess we'll get like five th- flamethrowers and a whole cabinet full of guns that you yeah. see at one point. I get they have a gun or two, but you're in Antarctica. What are you gonna? What are you gonna need to what fight? Are you shooting it? Yeah, I can see having a couple, but Antarctica doesn't even have polar bears, does it? No, Antarctica's the so. South Pole, right? Yes, yes, South yeah, Pole. yeah. I don't think they have polar bears in the Arctic. Yeah. The Arctic. Not the Arctic. The, Ar- the Arctic. What? No, it's the Arctic. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'll look that up. I'm pretty sure. Out. No, it does. But I'm pretty yeah, sure so it's the Arctic. Because I, I believe the South Pole is... Um, yeah, well, I know. The South well, Pole I know is, has penguins. Yeah. The North Pole has polar bears. So yeah. it's not really even like they're staving off the threat of polar bears. So what, are they heavily armed against <laughs> the legions penguins? of penguins? Yeah, that it's kind Arctic, of dude. It's not around? Arctic. No? It's okay, Arctic. then I'm totally stupid. Um but yeah that doesn't make any sense to me the ending completely falls off a cliff not the very end the the way it completely wraps up is cool but i would say from 20 minutes till the end till 10 minutes to the end it's like what's going on what oh there is that there's this weird seemingly unnecessary diversion like plot twist but then the twist doesn't matter yeah and it's that really took me out of the experience. I forgot about um, that. They pull it back and then the actual ending ending of the movie is good. But there's this weird like, I don't understand why Are this matters. The, let's just be covert. The subterranean discovery they make. Yeah. That totally seems to me like something like a relic of the novella. And they just felt like they had to shoehorn it in, in or a, something. In a, in a literary setting, that would work far better. Perhaps. Than in a, in a film setting where it's like. More second by second. Yeah, but this movie is not perfect. It's a combination of uh, laughing at it and laughing with it. It's a little bit creepy, but it's not genuinely scary. It's totally fun, but it's not. It's good. It's. I would even say it's borderline great, but it's not really great. You know. Watch it. You'll have fun. You will totally. Either of these movies are absolutely worth a watch to yeah. anybody today, and. I would feel sad for people who would watch these movies and only see outdated special effects. Because you have to realize and appreciate what people were working with when they made these movies. And what they were working with was pretty much what you have in your house with you right now. I mean, they had a huge amount of money to do the thing. They would have had the, the height of technology. Yeah, but I'm just saying... In this computer that we're recording on right now We have more processing power than they had For the entire movie by a million miles And And just the fact that these effects are practical You know Everything you see was put together physically By human hands You, You just have to Man I don't know what's wrong with me You just have to stop and consider that Before, during and after watching The movies And I think that you'll get a tremendous level Of satisfaction and enjoyment out of them so do, you, do you have a clear favorite? No, but in the interest of just making life easy, I don't like it when people don't pick something definitive. I'm going to say, if you're going to watch one, watch Alien. I feel like it's more important. I feel like it's better executed. But if I have a favorite, I'm going to say The Thing, because I feel like the special effects, it's more fun. It's a little bit more quirky than Alien. And I think it's my favorite. But they're to me... I feel like they would almost be interchangeable like you and I you would say to me what movie do you want to watch and I'd be like I don't know Alien or the Thing whatever yeah if you're in the mood for a secluded yeah <laughs> sci-fi thriller featuring a single alien that's slowly trying to dominate yeah a group of seven to nine very distinct people <laughs> who are fighting back with weapons who are isolated and worried that the alien might spread to the rest of humanity then you could go for either one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I I would honestly say, you know, both are, you know, I think that, I think they make a phenomenal double bill, quite frankly. Yeah. And I'm really glad that I watched, I watched them like one day after the other. Like I just, back to back them. I watched them maybe a week apart. And I really, I was glad that I did that because it was, both were incredibly enjoyable. There were some enormous commonalities, but they're such individual movies. And I'll say this, if you... If you like action and you're more after a traditional sci-fi movie with spaceships and that sort of thing, watch Alien. If you're more for a thriller and you want to see some incredibly cool visual effects, watch The Thing. It's really just a matter of preference, I think. Next episode, we don't know exactly what we're talking about yet, but I had the idea a few days ago that I want to do probably a few different reviews um, where we take one-hit wonders and review their albums. So I expect that we're going to do a uh, an Instagram poll or something, ask people what their favorite one-hit wonders were. Um, but I think that could be super fun. Uh, until then, I think we're good to go. I think so. I've been Grant and this has been Jason. Okay. And if you have any feedback on this episode don't hesitate for even one second go right don't now hesitate. find us on Facebook mm-hmm. find us on Instagram yeah. you can email us at us email us at the goodship brothership at gmail.com and uh, just tell us your thoughts on these movies or quite frankly anything we've talked about ever because you are guaranteed to get read out on the show because nobody writes into us and we would really we would truly truly like I'm not being facetious at all to get some more interaction in in that way, because I just I really like talking to people about this stuff, and that that's kind of been become the secondary function of this podcast for us. First and foremost, it's to help Jason and I discover new and exciting things that we wouldn't disco- just discover of our own volition, but secondarily, it is so great to. You know a coworker or a friend goes, "Hey, I listened to the Good Ship Brothership," and I checked out that album or that movie. Here's what I think, and that brings mm. me so much joy in just extending the conversation. It's so much fun for us, and yeah if if you end up seeing these, if you have seen one or both of these movies, let us know. just let us know what you think. uh Caleb actually had a good suggestion recently that he thought that we should review a Clockwork Orange. Yeah, like, we, I would be all for that. Have you seen that yet? No. Okay. I've watched it once or twice. Do we have it? Yep. Okay. It is. unbelievably weird. Weirder than Mulholland Drive? Yes. Oh. Well. Mulholland Drive's really weird. Uh, it's a different kind of weird. Remember when the people crawl under the door? The tiny people? I do remember that. That's Man, David Lynch is. That's the height of weirdness for me. David in Lynch movie. is so amazing. I, I still don't think i like that movie but i just don't know it's just hard to tell it's stuck with you though you watch it and you're like it's hard to tell yeah it's that mulholland drive sears itself into your mind not as much as those donuts everything david lynch does okay thank you so much for listening write us if you want or not thank you so much peace out good night my sweet prince okay <laughs> yeah, donuts! Wow. <laughs>